we're going to continue where we left off last week, and this is the final piece of the puzzle of becoming a letter of Christ. The Bible says that you and I are to literally be his letter, and people read letters, don't they? Letters contain information, knowledge. Sometimes letters bring life. Sometimes we get not so good letters. <laughs> and as we've been looking at bills, <laughs> who loves bills? <clears throat> and we've been looking at this. What, is it, what does it mean to be a letter of and for Christ? To represent him well. So when people read us, they see him. They see love. They see life. They see a joy and a hope. They see a people who don't live for the things of earth. They see a people that are very different to them. And they find a substance in the person that is so attractive that it's intoxicating. It's so different. It's not like the things that they're looking for. They find a person or a people group that they read and go, I want what you have. And so we've been looking at that in, from 2 Corinthians 3 and 4. And I, uh, I gave us this last week. We are to be letters of Christ that reflect God's glory or God's new glory because we looked at that. It's a new glory. It's not the old glory that came through the Ten Commandments. It's a new glory that came through Christ, the new covenant. The second thing we said is the Spirit writes this letter of glory. So it's the Holy Spirit's role to write the letter of glory. How cool is that? So you don't write your own letter. He writes it on your heart. He tells you and puts it on your heart and says, this is who my Father says you are. Do you agree? You see, the letter's actually already written. It was written before the foundations of the earth. It's up to us to agree with the letter that's written. And so if we were to actually write our own letter, like I said, I'd hope that your letter and the letter coincided. I hope there wouldn't be any difference between the letter and the letter you write. How cool is that? And so the challenge is to discover the letter that's actually already written. And to align our lives to that letter so there would be such a congruency and a, a, a oneness. Not a separation, but a oneness of who he says we are. We would go, yes, and amen, and I live from that place. Not towards it. I'm not living towards it. I'm living from it. They are very different realities. One is way more powerful than the other. It's not a right and a wrong, but one is way more powerful to live from truth than towards it. Always trying to grasp here what is here. And so I live from love. I live from joy. I live from peace. I live from rest. I live from power. I'm not trying to somehow grasp it and grab it out there somewhere and pull it in. It's formed in me. It's brought to me, in me through the power of the gospel, and I just live it out. <clears throat> That's the true gospel. That's what I'm going to talk about tonight. The power of the gospel to build 
a man or a woman into the image of Christ, not through our own strength, capacity, ability, gifting, but through surrender, weakness, and vulnerability. Woo, that's the gospel. Anybody want it? Or is that foolishness to you? Is that a stumbling block to you? The fact that you can't. And the fact that he says you've got to get to the end of you to receive this. Many look and go, that is foolishness. That is ridiculous. That is stupid. And God says that is wisdom. (laughs) And your wisdom is stupid. (laughs) Who do you believe? Me or you? And so we've got to grapple, don't we? We've got this old man that actually should be dead. Is he dead? Yes. Does he still speak? He tries to. The old man trying to establish himself still on the throne of your heart. I want to be in control. I'm going to do it my way. I will resist because I want to live. And then I will determine what God says about me through his words. That man needs to be dead. He is dead from God's perspective. It's just whether he's dead from our perspective. So then this letter is a letter of life, not death. When people look at you, they don't see someone who looks like death warmed up. They see a people group of life, light, not darkness, not heaviness, not moping about, but life because he is the Christ of light and life. And if I'm in Christ and Christ is me, I am a person of light and Life, and so the letter you read is one of vitality, it's one of strength, it's one of wisdom, it has a peace, it's not running around just frantically doing anything, it is still. (laughs) He's good, eh? Now, if we're in some of that position today, it's okay. I get this. There's a fight between the old man and the new man. It's called the flesh and your spirit. And the power of God comes to kill him once and for all. Crucify the flesh through the power, through the word of God. So he cannot speak. He cannot think. He's gone and live from the new life. For I have given you a new heart and I write this letter on your heart. And it's my spirit that writes it on you, in you. So from the inside out, that's where your heart is, isn't it? It's inside you. It's not outside of you. It's in you. So from the inside out. So why do we try and grab stuff here and put it in when he says, I want it here and coming out? Because we're still operating by the ways of the flesh. See, that's the old man operating. He's hoodwinking you and the enemy who has no authority, but he's clever. He has deception. He has lies, doesn't he? Which are two very powerful things. He comes to lie to us, and he comes to deceive us. But see, when the letter is written within, and the Holy Spirit is writing the letter, truth is within. It's within. So when the lie and the deception comes, because the letter is being written by the Spirit within, you identify it as a lie. 
You identify the deception. Why? Because you've got life and truth being written by the one of truth in you. See, the Bible says it's written on the heart of a man or a woman. Let's have a look at that in 2 Corinthians 3.3. Being manifested that you are a letter of Christ. Everyone say you're a letter of Christ. Cared for by us, which was Paul and his cronies, written not with ink, not the natural, okay? It's not written like you'd write a natural reality. It's nothing natural about this, but with the Spirit, which is supernatural. We're a supernatural people. Why, Greg? Because we have the Spirit of God living within us. That qualifies me and you as supernatural. Yes? I am holy. Why? Because God lives in me. I don't try to be holy. I am holy because Christ is holy and Christ lives in me. Okay, So we're to live this supernatural way of life. It's not like the natural. That's what makes us stand out because we're designed to walk and live on water. We don't live under the water. We live on top of the water. We live on top of the mountain looking down. Aren't we seated where? The right hand of God. Am I there now? No, I'm physically here with you. But does my spirit see from that place? Is that reality actually in my heart and my mind? Well, more and more it is. So I actually look as if I'm physically there looking down, seeing as God sees it all. I'm seated in heavenly places. Where am I going to be at the end of my life if I'm an overcomer? Seated right next to him as Revelation 3.21 promises me. So if I run the race that is set before me, if I become the letter I'm supposed to be, and I have life in me, which means I live a life of righteousness, at the end of that life of righteousness, the Bible says it's a crown. It's the crown of righteousness, which means I'm royalty, which means I sit next to Christ, not next to him, sorry, with him on his throne next to the Father. Doesn't that sound like a covenantal partnership called marriage? And are we not all called to be the bride of Christ? Yes is the answer to that, Greg. Even if you don't know it, believe it, just go, yes, Greg, that's the right answer. And believe it by faith, yes and amen. What are you talking about? Yes and amen. What are you talking about? Yes and amen. Let your spirit hear it today. Not your old mind, man. Let your spirit hear what the word the Lord wants to say to you today. Come into agreement with it. What did you just say? Yes and amen. Thank you, Warren. (laughs) I... And seated with Christ in heavenly places, and I'm going to be, there's, a, there's my name, my place mark is there waiting for me to the overcomer. Yes. Do you see why we need to have eyes to see and ears to hear everything that's contained in Christ and become that very thing? Because we are to become the literal expression of God on the earth, not many gods, but like Christ, so we can what? Imitate Christ. Well, those who learn how to imitate Christ through coming into will find themselves in that place, new heaven and earth, seated next to Christ. Do you want to be in any room or do you want to be in the top room? Some say, oh, as long as I get there. Well, if you had a chance to drive a BMW as opposed to a broken down Fiat Punto, which one would you want to drive? The Beamer, wouldn't you? 
So if you had the chance to sit right on his seat with him or just be in any room down the corridor, which one would you choose? <clears throat> Pardon? This is good. This is, you know, we're, this is good. So if you really want that, are you going to go after that? Will your yes be yes and your no be no? Be careful what you say yes to. And be careful what you swear by. But that is the right answer. But it's not about answering the right question the right way. It's about becoming that, isn't it? He wants us to be a letter. He's going to write on our hearts, not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. So he gives us a brand new heart when we receive him. So then he goes to work and writing. Ah, that's right. Jesus is the author. You heard that one somewhere? He's the what? Perfecter. Of what? Not our faith. Faith. As it's written in here. Because our faith must be his faith. See? We add that bit. So he's the author and perfecter of faith the way he says faith is. Not trust. Faith. What is faith? Faith is the assurance of what we hope for and the conviction of things unseen, which means he is the author and perfecter of everything that's unseen and he wants to make it seen. That's faith. Faith isn't something I muster up to try and accomplish your work. It's not faith. Faith, as it is written in the Bible, Hebrews 11.1 says this, Faith is the absolute assurance, sorry, not absolute, faith is the assurance of what you hope for, the conviction, the absolute knowledge of things unseen. That is true belief. So the more we becoming a letter for Christ, because the Holy Spirit is writing his letter on our hearts and the Holy Spirit is going to open up everything that's in the kingdom that has already been established in the kingdom before the foundations of the earth. As he starts to write that on your heart, what are you able to do? Come on, work with me. What are you able to do? Overcome. Overcome. Thank you, Warren. What else are you able to do? What does overcome look like, Warren? Mm -hmm. Rest, joy, peace, love, kindness, patient, you're generous, you reach out, you pray, you're in the word, you start looking like Jesus because we're called to be Christ-like. Everything Jesus was, you start living like. You do nothing outside of your Father's way, which means you don't step out of your initiative into his, you just do his initiative. So then it's all a work done from the eternal realm, from rest, because you're becoming the letter and the Spirit is writing it on our hearts. Protect the heart, for it is the wellspring of life. The be attitudes are the attitudes of being aren't they? So the first one in our hearts is what? What is the first attitude of being as a follower of Jesus? Healing the sick? Raising the dead? Casting out demons? Then what is it? 
poor in spirit. What does that mean? It doesn't mean to be like a doormat. It means that the spirit of pride that is in us because our nature is evil. The old man is evil, is he not? Do we not have an evil nature from youth that needs to be killed through the cross? Otherwise it will do its own thing and want its own way. So that spirit of pride, which is in mankind, which can still live even though you're a follower of Jesus, because you may not have been fallen on the rock and been broken into pieces. You may have fallen and just been chipped. And then you try and put your chip back together, or you've got a crack, so you try and fix the crack. But he says, those who fall on the rock are broken into pieces, which means the spirit of pride, the flesh that wants to live, gets smashed. And then what happens as a result of that, you are now poor in spirit. Wow, that's awesome. Why is it first off the rank? Because it determines every other attitude of being that is there. You know what you now do? You now hunger and thirst for righteousness. A life of righteousness. Did we hear that? You hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? Because at the end of the life of righteousness, there's a crown. So I've got a hunger and thirst for a life that's in right standing to the Lord, not living as I want to live. Who do you love? Who are you going to live for? Aren't those the two tests that Jesus asked every human being? Do you love me, Peter? Why are you asking me that? Because I want to know if you truly love me. Why are you asking me that? Because I want to know if you truly love me. Why are you asking me that? Because I want to know if you truly love me. Why? Because there's a crown at the end of the life for those that do. Who are you going to live for, Peter? Who are you going to live for, church? Who are you living for? Who do you love? Greg, who do you love and who do you live for, Greg? The two greatest tests, the relational test and the missional test that every follower must pass. Is it getting a bit uncomfortable in the room? I sense it is. I'm a little squirming on the seat a little bit. You're free to leave if you want. You're free to go. Doors are open. This is the truth. You see, the new nature loves the truth. The old nature hates the truth. The old man... I wonder if anyone see if I just squeeze out here, just move out of camera. <laughs> but the new man is bring it on. Why? Because the new man knows that is food source to feed him or her. And they love it and love it. There is no offense in the spirit. The spirit will hear the spirit. The spirit and flesh are in opposition to each other. The flesh hates. So if we're trying to write a letter through the ink, the natural, you will not like this other letter. And it won't be written on your heart because you're in opposition to God. God's going, let me write. Give me the pen. I got the pen. Give me the pen. I got the pen. Give me the pen. No. God says, okay. Go on then. Write your letter. See how you get on. And I'll be waiting here for you to give me the pen. (laughs) Who relates? (laughs) Give me that pen, my book pen. The entire gospel, guys, is about matters of the heart. The entire story is about a heart matter. Guard your heart. Understanding starts in the heart. Don't harden your heart. Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Belief starts in the heart. 
Do you love me with all your heart? If you love others, you're not worthy of me. He gives us this instruction to help us. So he said, I want to write a letter where in all authenticity, you can answer that, yes. I've released all the other things, idols, out of my heart. And my life reflects it because look at the letter that I am. I'm found in your presence all the time. I'm found eating your word, drinking your word. I'm found in prayer. I'm found generous. I'm found being actively part of a body, not just as a spectator. I'm found laying down my life to see the gospel implode, the church built, and a world saved. I am actively a participant in the game. Amen. Full stop. Can you say that with all authenticity today before the Father? That's what he's looking for out of his church. And it's okay because his love is covering it while he goes to work. But are we letting the Holy Spirit write his letter on our hearts? It's the only way it's going to happen that we can actually walk in the manner in which Jesus walked. You can't claim it and not live it. You can't say you've got the mind of Christ and then think like the old man. Okay, You have to wake up and see, oh, there's a gap between what I said and how I live. Jesus said, don't remove your heart from me. Do you know where that is? Okay, let's go there. Isaiah 29. He actually warned the Israelites not to remove their hearts from him. Of course, we said we'd never do that. We never do that, Lord. We would never remove our hearts. Never, ever, ever would we remove our hearts. Twenty-nine, thirteen. Then the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me. Do you know we do this at times and we don't even know we're doing it? That's why it's so offensive when someone else can see it and they try to help you and go, you've just removed your heart, come back. What are you talking about? Don't get up in my face. I'm trying to help you because I can see what you're doing. No, I know all things. Really? Well, then let's have a look at the letter. And why is this anger coming out of you now? Because that's not a letter of the spirit. That's a letter of the flesh. You see, we have to truly be able to see our true state as God sees it and not paint some false reality and buy into it because we feel stink. God loves us unconditionally. He says, I love you as you are, as I see you. I am your right in me. So start seeing as you are in me from the finished work. But we have to truly acknowledge our true reality as well. Otherwise, it's going to hold us back. How can you repent of something you don't know is binding you? If you have a mindset that's anti-God, if you are trying to come into this through understanding in your mind what I'm saying right now, that is anti-God. Okay, You do not understand God in the mind first. We do not hear to understand, guys. We hear to receive. Okay? They are very different, but subtly the same. 
So we try to hear, and our first place of hearing, understanding is here. So you're all trying to understand what I'm saying, aren't you, in my, my words, in your mind. That's not the place. It's receiving it via in here your spirit. Then the Holy Spirit wants to renew your mind so you can see what you've just received. It's like imagine never having a coffee, a latte. All you've ever drunk is tea. You've got no understanding of what a latte is. Zero. Never seen one, never tasted one. But someone comes up and they start speaking to you about lattes. And what you do is you actually receive it and you have the reference for it before you even know what it is. Because you might taste it. But you don't know what it is because no one's told you it's a latte. You tracking with me? So it's there. You pick it up and you drink it. And you receive it in you. But you don't know it's a latte because no one's told you it's a latte. You just know it's hot. It feels good. It tastes good. It's got this nice foamy thing in my mouth and it's nourishing my body. What is that? And someone says, it's a latte. And you then go, wow, understanding of what a latte is. But I tasted and saw it before I actually understood it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. See, we try to understand God all the time before we actually believe. Wrong. That's why we're not necessarily in life that he calls us to live. I'm haunted in a good way by the scriptures I read. Get out of that boat and walk on this water. And don't sink. Stay out here with me. Are we captivated by this? Or is that just a nice story that happened 2,000 years ago to a guy called Peter? You see, the more I'm becoming a letter that people read, I'm going to be able, not me in me, Christ in me, the hope of glory, I'm going to be able to live above this earth. I'm going to live to a standard that is apostolic. Okay? The apostolic calls you to a standard you can't achieve. <laughs> why would you want to achieve it? It wouldn't be God, would it? If you can achieve it, why do we need God? Go park yourself over there, God. We don't need you. So the apostolic and the prophetic calls the church up to a place so it realizes I can't enter into that on my own. I need to surrender. Hallelujah. Then we all start. And he says, now you're ready for me to write this on your heart because you realize you've given me the pen. What is this? This is a latte. Man, this is amazing. So better than a cup of tea or the instant stuff I used to drink called Greg's. Man, I don't want to go back to Greg's. I want to have a latte every time. In fact, I'm going to buy my own machine so I can have lattes in my own house. Who does that? Right on. See, this is what it's like in the Lord. The more you get, the more you want. The more you get, the more you want. The hungrier you are, even though you're full. Because he's writing this letter. Where? On stone? No, on our hearts. Believing starts in the heart. Understanding starts in the heart. Receive the seed in your heart. See, there were four environments, weren't there? Rocky, thorny, road, soil. All hearts that receive the seed of the kingdom. If you don't understand the kingdom, you won't understand any parable the Bible says. Where do you understand it? In your heart. Where is the fruit produced? In your heart, then what? You live it out. Then people come along and they pick your fruit. 
I've got some watermelon today. Who wants a watermelon? Refreshes the palate. Yes, it does. He wants the seeds. He's a wise man. He wants his own watermelons. JJ's bro, thirty four ninety five. You can have one too. Maybe on your wedding day. Don't know. Maybe. As we receive through his power, his word gets formed. The letter gets written on my heart. Then fruit starts to be produced. So people come along and, oh, I'll have a bit of that. That's love. Yeah, take as much as you want because it just replenishes itself. Have a bit of this. What's that? Oh, that's Jesus. I'll have a bit of that. Yeah, that's cool. Let me wash the Lord over you. Let me speak words of wisdom over you. Let me wash you with the word as I'm being washed with the word. Receive it, receive it. And it's just this continuation of production of fruit that never runs dry. For the Bible says, if you're thirsty, come to me. And if you're hungry, come to me. And you will never run dry. Who's saying that? Christ. So if Christ is in me and being formed in me, because the Holy Spirit is writing Christ on my heart, then What am I able to do? Live like Christ. It is fully possible. And Christ walked on water. Didn't Christ say, you feed these guys? Before he did? Do you know where that is just before? Where he walked on water. So he comes to them and says, hey guys, we've got about 15,000 people coming up the hill. They all said what? Send them away. The old man jumped up. Ah, we can't meet that need. Send them away. That's love, eh? (laughs) Jesus says, "Uh, okay, give it to me. What did he do? He looks up. He says, thanks for the little. Knowing you're going to multiply it to feed the many knowing there was going to be baskets left over, and they got fed. You see, the disciples missed the opportunity to learn and step into a reality right there. So then Jesus gives them another opportunity. How good is he, man? He's too good at times. He actually is too good at times. So then he says, okay, now I'm walking on the water. They think he's a ghost, don't they? They're all afraid. See? See what happens when you walk too far from Christ, you don't recognize him. You think he's something he's not. You don't hear right. You hear something else that's not him, but you've determined, oh, that's what was said. No, 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 no. See, flesh and spirit don't like each other. Flesh will always hear the wrong thing because it's trying to hear through the wrong filter. Do you understand? This is so serious. If you try and hear through the flesh and understand through the flesh, you will always hear the wrong thing have to hear through the Spirit. So Jesus is walking around. They're a bit freaking out. And he says, is that you, Lord? It's me. If it's you, call out and I will come. And what happens? He calls them out. Come out, Peter. Peter hears out the boat on the water and is walking. Now, you don't do this because you, out of a good intention you do it. He heard him call him out. 
So when the Father calls you out, you have to hear the Father's instruction and move on the Father's instruction, not your good intention. Because you think that would be a cool miracle to do and show off to everybody that I can walk on water. No, you'll sink. So once again, life of righteousness is under the alignment of right standing to the Father and operating under that alignment. That's a life of righteousness, not presumption and not good intention, but under him, revelation, hearing, stepping out, and the man is literally walking above the earth. And he only starts to fall when he doubts because the natural starts to kick in, doesn't it? The natural, the wind and the waves. And the Bible says when he saw that, he started to fall. When you take your eyes off Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, because he says you can live above the earth, but when you take your eyes off that and turn your head onto, you doubt starts to creep in. Your ability to do what you're called to be able to do starts to lessen instead of actually moving on the water and actually living above the earth and going, this is incredible, man. How am I able to love a human like God? How am I able to have rest when my mother and father just passed away? How am I able to do this when I lost my job? How am I able to live beyond the earth? Because you're not attached to the earth. Because your anchor is Christ again, who is your hope. And it's anchored in an eternal realm, not a temporal realm, which is the kingdom of the spirit of God, not the kingdom of darkness that the old man got rescued from. This is good news. And we got to get excited because there is a reality we can all grow in and live in beyond what you're currently living in today. I don't know what that is for you. Ask the Holy Spirit and He will show you and coach you and lead you into what that is for you. It may be just really getting part of this family. It may be getting to a discipleship group, really. It may be starting to give serve. It may be starting to love on your boss. It may be starting to not stop moaning about your workplace every time and see it as a love opportunity to love on everybody there and live above what's coming at you. Not being a doormat, but being able to demonstrate a reality. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is writing his letter in the inside of you. And from the inside out comes the supernatural life called Jesus Christ. It's not you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory that gets released every time you get squeezed. You see, if we're in a watermelon field and they produce watermelons and orange juice comes out when it's squeezed, that's weird, isn't it? So what happens when you get squeezed and your flesh comes out? Isn't that weird if you're a follower of Christ? They squeeze you, ugly man comes out, the flesh. Who's that? That's Jesus. And he loves you. And you need the gospel because you sinner, you're going to hell. Now, there's truth to that. But that ain't love. So when we're squeezed, which is the greatest pressure test, who do you love? Let me really look inside your heart. Let your heart be placed over there for a minute, and let's look at it together. Let's look at your life over this last year, and we're going to look and go, right, okay. Yes, you do love me. Well done. Because eternal life is associated with love. And the great commandment. That's why when the rich young ruler asked him, how do I 
inherit eternal life, he said, keep the commandment. But the commandment he was keeping wasn't the commandment he should have been keeping. He was keeping rules. And God challenged his heart as to what he loved. It had nothing to do with the man's money and everything to do with what he loved. And because he loved himself, little G God, that's what Jesus was addressing. He was a very wealthy man. Wealthy people are entering into the kingdom of God because they're humble people. Nothing to do with money. Although a rich person that's built on pride, sure. But what Jesus is addressing is the heart issue. What do you really love? Today I love you and I'm going to help address the true issue of your heart to set you free so you can come into this eternal life, which is Jesus, in you and live it while you're here on earth. What an opportunity that he walked away from. And we don't know what happened to him. But see, Isaiah says this in 29.13, But they removed their hearts from me, and their, T-H-E-I-R, reverence for me, consists of tradition learned by rote. What was Noah's reverence anchored to? Hebrews tells you very clearly to make a point of this. So the Israelites, their reverence for God, their awe and wonder was in traditions, learnt by repetition. We come here, we sing songs, we put our hands in the air, there's a blue funny bucket that goes past, we put money in that maybe, or we give there, we go home, we go through on Tuesday to a discipleship group, we sit there, we have a cup of tea, we throw around some words, we go home, we do some stuff over here, we do this. We know ceremony really well. We know what to do. Do you know why? <laughs> you see, the Israelites, their reverence was based in just do's, don'ts, this, that. We call this Christianity. Yay! But it's not a letter of life. And it says this in Hebrews 11.7, it says, Noah built an ark because of the reverence of God, of the things that were unseen. So when God shows you unseen things, you start building arks. What for? Because there's a flood coming. There's a flood coming. He's coming. Are you ready? Have you fallen in love with him? Are you living for him? Or you're loving you and living for you because he's coming. And see, he's so good. He sends crazy people to speak crazy messages to awaken us to a reality that's going to happen. The flood was coming. And God chose Noah and opened Noah's eyes to build something. So in Noah's relationship, in reverence to God, God showed him something for people. And then he went and built it for people, but how many people entered the ark? Eight, only his family. Why? Because others never had ears to hear the word that was going out, so they weren't ready when the storm came. The Israelites never entered into the promised land because they never heard the word that was being proclaimed with belief. And it said, I did countless 
Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle for 40 years and they still didn't hear when I spoke. And I want to write a letter on your heart because there's a life about walking up above the water and there's an inheritance that awaits because I'm coming not on a rescue mission but on a bridal covenant to get my bride. But only those that are ready that have prepared and have made themselves ready, who fully love me and have let me wrote a letter on their heart so then the reality of it could be. And he does it all out of love. Do you know what else you're... You know what one of the other attitudes of being is? I think it's like the ninth one. Right at the very end. He gives you this massive encouragement after saying, blessed are the humble in spirit, the mourn, the mercy, the hunger and thirst for righteousness. He says the pure of heart will see the Lord. Uh, blessed are the peacemakers, uh, for they are the sons of God, those that actually go and make peace, not a peacekeepers, PC Christians, but peacemakers. And then he gives you this last one. It's really cool. Yeah, those that are persecuted for what though? Righteousness. Those that will actually stand in front of people, deliver the truth, and be persecuted for the truth. Isn't that what Jesus did? And didn't he do it out of love? And yet some never heard because there's a hearing that's required that's not natural but of the Spirit, which requires the Holy Spirit to do a work, write the letter, because we surrender and we spend the time with Him to do that work in us. Then we hear and we enter into the fullness of everything that's already established in this realm called the kingdom of God, and it gets manifested on the earth, and the world look and go, wow. They are aliens compared to us. They are sojourners compared to us. They are priests compared to us. They are very different. I'm just going to read this one scripture and we'll call it. This is 2 Corinthians 4. And this is what is possible in him, in us, okay? So this is this whole reality of this letter is being written on our hearts, producing this glory that is Christ in us. Then it's fully possible for us to be and able to live this out. Are you ready? This is how living this, this is. It's living, active life. He says this to us. This is in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So we, Paul and a people that Paul knows. He's writing to the Corinthians. But we have this treasure, glory. Do you know how many times glory is mentioned? In these two chapters, 16 times. 16 times about this new glory, that we're ministers of the new glory. And that glory is to be in us, coming forth from us, radiating lights of glory. 
So Paul says, we have this glory in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. We are not capable of this in us, in our humanity. It is all about through our surrender, humility, hunger and thirst for God and God then putting in us through his power and us receiving something that creates a powerful life in us that's able to do this. We are, not, we are afflicted in every way. You see, when you start living a life of righteousness, you're going to be afflicted. It's a blessing. It's an absolute blessing to be afflicted for God. <laughs> and now the more you get, the more life comes. It's the greatest promise. The more you press, the greater the life. Why? Because you seek Him more and ask Him for more so you can continue to live. Remember, I shared this the other week with Danielle and I in Cambodia. I got found out because after our little argument, in fact, it was a massive argument, <laughs> and I found myself just leaving and just getting in a tuk-tuk and going, he said to me, you didn't have enough glory loving you to love her in that moment. You've been loving on her the whole day with her behavior. She's been needling you and needling you. But in that moment, you ran out of love, being perfected in love to be able to love and just stay. Y'all would have stayed, but you took off. I said, yeah. He said, yeah, but you need more of me. Isn't that what we just sung? More of, more of. So then he says, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. I mean, this is a reality that Paul and these people were in. And Paul says, imitate me as I imitate the Christ. Did Christ live like that? Yes. Is Paul living like that? Yes. Is it possible for the church to live like that? Yes. Always carrying about, here's the key, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, the reality of the gospel, not the words of the gospel, the work of the gospel. Always carrying about what Jesus did, the power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in me. Not agreement to a mental statement that I believe he died for my truth, as good as that is, the gospel must be experienced. It's like someone come along with those heart things when your heart's gone and boosh, and you get a brand new reality heart power. Whoa, what was that? I just came alive. So I carry that in me, the dying of the gospel. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again. Okay, That's what enables me to be afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Okay, Always dying in the body. So that the life of Jesus, here you go, also may be manifested in our body. Made real. What it means. Christ in us made real. Not in a nice little statement that rhymes and sounds cool the reality of Christ in us, the hope of glory. It doesn't get any better than this. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. That's massive. Not your own sake. Not because you want to be the Lone Ranger and win the world. It's for Jesus' sake that persecution must come. Said so you can lay your life down 
And it means nothing in 1 Corinthians 13 if it's not done out of love under Christ. Plenty of people, good intentions don't get you this life. It's not because you want to be a good Christian. For we who live are being constantly devoted to death for Jesus' sake, so that the, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested, that word again, in our mortal flesh. Jesus wants to save our spirit, soul, body, does he not? He wants the complete person saved, does he not? Why? So we can live out the way of the spirit, yes? So the physical manifestation of this flesh suit, Jesus was physical, he touched people, they experienced him, he ate with them, it's not some thing that floats in the sky. He was a real person that you could touch. The manifestation of Christ in me is going to come through me so you can touch. So heaven touches earth through the church. This is who we have been called to be if we will allow the Holy Spirit to write the letter on our hearts and it's a letter of glory it's a letter of life but it means putting down all our other lovers and coming this way and standing before him saying go to work on my heart and perfect the work that you started the day I acknowledged you as my Lord and Lord and Savior Philippians 1 6 he says he will perfect this work that he started it's a good pleasing perfect work it's called the will of God and then our lives will prove what the will of God is I have so many people still don't know what the will of God is and I say you're to be proving it in the demonstration of your life so what race are you running man I think you're on another race course I think you're in another sphere somewhere because your very life that question is exposing that you don't know what you're supposed to be proving because you haven't heard Guys, if we don't hear it and do something with it, we will miss it. It will pass you by. Now, he's so gracious, he will come around again. But if you miss it and miss it and miss it and miss it and die, you've missed it. Not missed his love. Not missed his mercy. You just haven't taken advantage of it. You haven't realized what it was really for. You just thought it was to make you comfortable and feel good while you lived here on earth. It's more than that. It is that, but it's more than that. It's to awaken you go, oh my goodness, I was chosen before the foundations of the earth to be a son of the King of the Most High God and to marry Him and to reign with Him on this earth and to allow the kingdom of God to come in me and through me and to be the demonstration along with my sons and daughters in Christ to be a model of Christ on the earth. That's why you have life. You were given life. It wasn't so you can get married at 20, have kids at 24, find this, do this, go this, and then hang up your boots and go retire. That is what the world does. That is not the church. And it is exciting. And it is only life and no loss. Hey, Tess. No loss. If you're hearing loss, you're not hearing. 
Okay? You're not hearing. If you've just heard loss and lack, you haven't heard anything I've said the way the Holy Spirit would want you to hear it. He said, if you lose your life, you're going to find a life that you've never thought was possible and it trumps that life a hundredfold. And see, someone's got to come and speak of lattes. Someone's got to come and speak of a mobile phone because we don't even know what phones are. So someone comes and starts speaking about a phone that can do a whole lot of cool things. Sounds good. I don't know. Maybe. Might the All Blacks played this morning. Wonder how they got on. Position yourself. I don't want to know. Liverpool <laughs> played. Oh. Wonder how they got on. Let's just go and hurry up. You've been speaking for 52 minutes. Better go find out. This is what we do, though, don't we? Let's be honest, guys. See, I'm trying to stir you. I'm trying to stir up the gift. I'm trying to stir you up. I'm trying to stir you to a reality. And you might think I'm a madman. I don't care. I'll be mad for Christ. I don't care anymore because I love you. And because I love you, I have to share this with you because this is what he has shown me and is showing me. I wrote it in a book for us as a family that we could eat it and come into it and see it through the power of the Spirit. I didn't just do that for fun. That's why I'm giving it away. Because I don't want to cause an obstacle. I don't want any money. Have the thing. It's of your Father and it's freely given for you. The things that have been prepared for you. All I'm doing is repeating what the Apostle Paul said. That is all I'm doing. I'm not coming up with new revelation. I just haven't seen it and I've seen it so I speak of it. There's nothing new. This is not Greg's revelation. This is God. And all that's happened is the Holy Spirit, as I've allowed him to write this on my heart, he's shown me all the things that are freely given for us. So as one who was called to preach the gospel, I preach it in power, knowing it's apostolic, knowing it's up here, knowing that we're all going, ah, they can't get into that. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Me too. It's supposed to be that way. Otherwise, it's not truth. It's a lie. Because it causes us to have to bow the knee and be dependent on God to experience. Do you know why God hides his truth for us? Because he loves us. He wants us to experience the real life. So if he doesn't hide it, we're going to find the counterfeit. So he hides it intentionally in his son. So when we go looking and he reveals the real thing, you get the real life. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? You don't get your human love, you get agape love. So he hides it in his son and says, if you're on a revelation of my son, you will know all things and receive all things. It's there for us so we don't go astray. But it requires us seeking and a knocking on Christ's door. And that is the heart. That's why the whole thing is the issues of the heart. Who do you love? Who will you live for? That is the question I believe he's asking us. The answer for both he wants.
with all authenticity that he can see it and go, yes, that is true, is me. Amen. So, Father, renew, reveal. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that we can rest. I thank you, Father, your word is delivered. And I thank you that you go to work. And so, Father, I thank you that you build your church. You build it through your power, through your systems, through your Son, through this living word and spirit. And you seek after true worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. And you promise a life for the church that is incorruptible, unfathomable, indestructible. Lord, that we can be pressed and not crushed because the life in us is so powerful because we've let you wrote or written a letter on our hearts and you continue to write it letter after letter after letter after letter of your goodness, of your kindness. And so, Father, reveal what is being said in and to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.